The text for the sermon this day is taken from the reading from Hebrews, which we heard earlier. Grace, peace, and mercy to you from God our Father and our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. If you were here last week, you might have noticed that in today's gospel lesson, there's a little bit of a repeat. And the reason is because last week I intentionally extended the gospel lesson a few extra verses because it gives a little bit more context to the, the story of the rich man or the, the account of this wealthy young man coming to Jesus and asking the question, what must I do to be saved? And of course the disciples saying, who can be saved? Jesus' response was, with, God, with man this is impossible, but not with God. With God all things are possible. Those words were such wonderful gospel, such wonderful hope and truth that your salvation is not on what you do. You are saved purely by the grace of God, by the work of Jesus on the cross. All of your works, all of your goodness, all of your failure, your holding back of sin will never be enough, but the blood of Jesus is. And he made full atonement, full forgiveness. You are righteous in the eyes of God because of Jesus. While you were still a sinner, Christ died for you. He who knew no sin became sin for us, that we might become the righteousness of God. When you were born, you were born dead in your sins and your trespasses. You were born an enemy of God, and yet by the blood of Jesus, you are a son. You are a child. You are an heir of God. And so... I look at these passages from Hebrews. So I have the, the bulletins for the last three weeks. So this was three weeks ago. So Hebrews, it says Hebrews 2 verse 1. Therefore, we must pay much closer attention to what we have heard, lest we drift away from it. Last week. Hebrews 3, verse 12 and 13. Take care, brothers, lest there be in any of you an evil, unbelieving heart leading you to fall away from the living God. But exhort one another every day, as long as it is called today, that none of you may be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. And then we have today. Hebrews 4, verse 1 and 2. Therefore, while the promise of entering his rest still stands, let us fear, lest any of you should seem to have failed to reach it. For good news came to us just as to them, but the message they heard did not benefit them, because they were not united by faith with those who listened. Are you noticing a little bit of a theme in those three verses? All three of them, three different chapters, three consecutive chapters, give warning to pay attention, to keep watch, 
to exhort one another, lest you fall away from the hope of the gospel. See, as Lutherans, we do not teach once saved, always saved. We do not teach what is known as the perseverance of the saints, which if you don't know what, where that comes from, that comes from Calvinism. The five points of Calvinism are what is known as tulip, which is, by the way, why the Dutch Reformed always have what kind of festivals? Tulip festivals. It's not a coincidence. T, total depravity. U, unconditional election. L is limited atonement. I is irresistible grace. And P is perseverance of the saints. Now, I'm not going to go into all of those. But, and there's actually a couple of those points that as Lutherans we kind of agree with. But the P, perseverance of the saints, is the idea that no one can ever lose their salvation. The problem with that is it does not square well with Scripture. It is an attempt to logically solve the, the problem of predestination. So, the reason why it doesn't square with Scripture is because, for one, we have Jesus telling his parable of the sower. If you're familiar with it, there is a man who went out to sow some seed. And some of the seed ended up on the highway, some of it ended up on rocky ground, some of it ended amongst the weeds and the thorns, and some ended up in good soil. The point being that the word may take root in some people and their, their faith may start to build, but something in life dries it out, chokes it up. And so they abandon. The Apostle Paul in his letter to the Romans talks about Christians who now walk as enemies of the faith. Speaking of those who abandon the hope which they had received. And then you have these words in Hebrews. The writer to the Hebrews, we don't know who wrote Hebrews, which by the way, if you ever get that trivia question from me, who wrote the book of Hebrews, the answer is, don't know. And that's the correct answer, because nobody knows. But the writer to the Hebrews, in all these passages, is warning about walking or falling away from the faith. And the reality is, is that the devil is always working on you. This is why a couple months ago we talked about the armor of God. Why do you need an armor of God? Because the devil is a prowling lion, seeking to devour whom he may. He wants nothing more than for you to walk away from the faith by which you were redeemed. He wants nothing more for you to exit from the rest that you have received in Christ. And sometimes he does it in very subtle ways. One of the things that kind of came up out of our pastor's conference this week is one of the, or the thought that came to my thinking about it is one of the most subtle ways that the devil has worked on modern Christians is he keeps you really, really busy. Too busy to spend time in God's Word. And he'll keep you busy and busy and busy until the moment he can bring his best attack and your faith is but a simple string 
and you will not know what to say, and your faith will come crashing down. And so as we walk through this valley, through this life, where the devil is constantly assaulting your faith, how do we stand firm? Well, Psalm 119, which you heard a little bit ago, which was the Old Testament reading, actually pretty well tells you. How can a young man keep his ways pure? By guarding it according to your word. With my whole heart I seek you. Let me not wander from your commandments. I have stored up your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. Blessed are you, O Lord. Teach me your statutes. With my lips I declare all the just decrees of your mouth. In the way of your testimonies I delight as much as in all riches. I meditate on your precepts and fix my eyes on your ways. I will delight in your statutes. I will not forget your word. Notice what the focus is all on. The word of God. And by the way, Psalm 119, which don't expect you to read it all in one sitting. It's a really long psalm. But that is much of what Psalm 119 is emphasizing the importance of meditating upon God's Word. Because God's Word is the armor, it is the thing that protects us. So as, I'm thinking, as we think about this reality that the devil is always after us, that our faith is always under attack, what do we do to protect? Well, God has given us means. In fact, his letter to the Hebrews, you have to go all the, just go to chapter 10, which will not show up in our lectionary until next August. But you go all the way into chapter 10, and he gives these very good words. Do not neglect the gathering together of believers. In other words, go to church. Yes, attend worship. What you're doing right now. By being here, this is one of the most, this is the most critical means by protecting your faith. Being in the Word. Receiving the Lord's Supper as often as you can. Receive it. Delight in it. Because by it, He strengthens you. He forms you that you may stand against the assaults of the devil. This is the number one way. And by the way, I know, this, I know in the last year this may come controversial, but doing worship at home is not enough. Because notice it is gathering together. Do not forsake the gathering of believers. Look at the people around you. Everyone that you're looking at, they are your brother. They are your sister in Christ. You are a family by the blood of Jesus. God is your father. You are his sons and daughters. Therefore, you are brothers and sisters. 
You gather for the sake of one another. You need one another, and the internet is not sufficient. You, we all know it is not the same talking to your friend, over, to a family member over the phone or on, on you know, maybe a, a text message or whatever. It is very different when you are right there in person to talk to them. And the reason is, is because your body, contrary to modern ideas, your body is a part of your identity. It is a part of who you are. And when people are together, you know it. You feel that warmth. It connects you. It strengthens you. God created us not to be alone. In fact, wasn't that in Genesis 2? It is not good for man to be what? Alone? And so he gave him Eve. And so be in worship. And so the whole idea that being in worship, whether or not you go to church is between you and, your, you and God, that is not accurate. That is not biblical. If you, when you fail to attend worship, it is between you, God, and every other, all of your brothers and sisters in Christ. Because by not attending, you are neglecting your brother or sister in Christ of your presence. Because little do you realize that someone might need you to be there. You never know why, God, who needs you to be there. Or maybe you need to be the, somebody, you need to be there, and by you being there, that is how God fills you. So that's the number one. Number two, daily devotions. Be in God's word at home. Read your Bible. You have more access to the Bible than any other culture in the history of the world. And it's not even close. You can listen to it. You can read it. There's probably some people that have done audio and video versions of it. There are so many ways you can read the Bible. You can study it. You can learn it. There are so many devotional resources out there. You could go to, on Issues Etc. every week, they, every single day of the week, they have the recordings of Concordia Theological Seminary in Fort Wayne. So you can listen to their chapel services. You can go to um, Higher Things has some wonderful devotional resources. Um, not, to, not to mention there's the ones that we produce as a congregation. Congregation at Prayer, they're always in the Welcome Center. Or what is produced on what we have on Facebook with the videos. There are so many ways that you could be in the Word. Parents, if you have children, or, actually, or if, you are, you have, if you're a grandparent, you have grandchildren, read the Bible with them. Pray with them. Model, teach the importance of God's Word. Teach it when they're young. We actually just had a discussion this week about the importance of children. You know, even if children, sometimes even children, sometimes they're not always, when they come to church, we're worried they're noisy and they're not sitting still and all that things. First off, one, is, as long as there's noise in the church, that means the church is growing. And two, kids still hear. How many of you ever had to teach your kids how to talk? 
They generally figure it out on their own, don't they? How? They model you. They heard your words. Which also means be careful what you say around your kids. But they model. When they're around the word, they're hearing it. Even if it seems passive to you. So be in the word at home. And sing hymns even. Sing praise songs. Singing is good. Best way to spread holiday cheer is to sing loud and clear for all to hear. That's from Elf. The best way to set bread, the cheer of our Lord, is to sing loud and hear clear. Number three, pray for one another. Pray that God would protect you. Pray that he'd keep you steadfast in the one true faith unto life everlasting. And again, you are brothers and sisters of Christ. So we go to church, but we, are, we also are the church. It's not like we are, you ever hear that we are the church, but we don't, we don't go to church, we are the church. It's actually, that's a false dichotomy. You do go to church, but you also are the church. It's both. So you are the church, you go to church. And so since you are the church, pray for one another. Think about people who, who are members of this congregation. Who needs your prayers? Pray for them. If somebody's wandering from the faith, pray for them. And by the way, have talked to them. Number four, be a part of a ministry. So the Sunday of this bulletin was LWML Sunday. One of the nice things I like that they did for the L with the LWML magazines, right on the cover, they have a list of all of the circles. So ladies, you have options for, group, for a community of faith to gather together with and to be in the Word of God. Because they do Bible studies. But you also could go to Bible class. I'm going to let you know there's a Bible class very soon. It's this morning. 10, 15, 10.30ish, you could go downstairs. And adults, you could go to Bible class. Children, we have Sunday school. Every single age group has something. If you're middle school or high school, we have a Bible study for you. Be in the Word through that. And by the way, the reason you gather individually is allows you to hear, it allows you to talk, it allows you to build relationships. Because those who are in your room that you're doing that Bible study with, again, they are brothers and sisters. You get to talk to each other. You get to build that relationship. And the thing is, they kind of become accountability. When you're gone, like, hey, I didn't see you at church today. The more you're in those groups, the stronger your faith grows. That's why youth group exists. That's why weekday Bible studies exist. That's why it would be great if we could even increase the number of Bible studies. Because right now, we don't actually have enough for every member. But I love it if you'd be like, hey, we need to get stuff going. We need to get these groups going. I love it. Because you need it. And then finally, final way. A couple weeks ago, one of the things we've been talking about as a congregation, or as elders, is about the need for a new vision for our congregation, or to reaffirm our vision. The last time we did a vision was 2012, and that was with the Legacy Campaign. So I don't know if any of you remember that one at all. 
but I don't because I was in here for another. I was actually still in seminary. So obviously I was in here. So they actually say that a church should actually reestablish its redo a vision actually pretty much like every five years. We're closing in on 10. And the reason you do a vision is because every single congregation has the exact same mission. The mission is go make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit and teaching them to observe everything I have commanded you. Matthew 28, 19 and 20. That is the, that's the mission of every single church all across the globe. But what that looks like is different in every congregation. The way the mission is carried out at St. Paul Lutheran Church in Ida Grove is not the same as it would be carried out at Gloria Day Lutheran Church in Urbandale. We are a little bit different in case you did not notice. For one, we don't have a traffic light right outside. Our, we don't need it either. But very different mission field. We are even different from the mission field of St. John Battle Creek. Even though we have overlap, we're very close to one another, there is differences. There's differences in the community, differences in who your mission field is. And so the purpose of developing a vision statement is to help the, us as a congregation focus on what our duty is is that we are all missionaries in this mission field around us and asking, how do we carry it out here? How do we carry out the will that God has for you to spread his gospel, to be his missionaries? You remember that those who have been to Mission Central have heard missionary Gary, the Gary Tease ask, are you a missionary? And the answer is yes. You are all missionaries. And the thing is, is our God, the crazy th the thing that he does is when you're spending your time thinking about who needs to hear the faith, when the word of God is on your mind, on your hearts, and you're seeing people who need the faith and you actually are carrying that out, our God strengthens your faith as the words leave your lips. You hear it. It strengthens you. See, these are ways that we keep steadfast in the faith. And by the way, as you notice, yes, that is all, that's what we call third use of the law. Sanctification, how we live as Christians. But the thing with the law is, is that it always, also is always accusing. As I went through that whole list, the obvious thing is, is all of us fail in one form or another. And so that is why the rest of Hebrews 4 is so wonderful. It's to remind us that as we are walking through this battle, walking through this journey of life, you are always in rest. As long as today is today, you are in the rest of Christ. You are in his salvation. Looking forward to the day when you enter into the eternal rest and the eternal victory and the eternal joy. So there is forgiveness. And that, by the way, is again why we go all the way back to step number one. 
Why do you keep coming back? Because you fail again and again and again and again to be the Christian you should be. And so you come again and again and hear and say, I, a poor, miserable sinner. And then you hear the words in the stat and the command of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, your sins are forgiven. And to receive the body and blood of Jesus for the forgiveness of your sins, to know, to taste, to hear, to touch, to smell. <laughs> forgiveness given to you for when we failed. And then we go back out, the bell ringing. We go back out to mission. Hearing his word, strengthening, and bringing others. Until the day comes when his kingdom comes. To him be all glory. Amen. The grace, peace, and mercy of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ keep you in the one true faith, the life everlasting. Amen. Please.